Hello and welcome to the Analysis Mason podcast. My name is Tom Rebeck and I'm here with Michelle McKenzie. Today we're going to talk about Vodafone and its plans for its IoT unit. This is based on a piece that we've just published on our website. We'll include a link in the show notes. Um, we're going to switch things around for this podcast with Michelle asking the questions. Um, we've also got some questions via Twitter that we'll also try to address. So, uh, Michelle, over to you. Yeah, thanks, Tom. So, um, to begin with, let's start with um, what what did Vodafone actually say that it planned to do with its IoT business in its annual report, uh, and what's the context for it? Yeah, so so in terms of what it said. The wording is vague, I guess deliberately vague, but they said we're in the pro- we're currently in the process of enabling a separation of Vodafone IoT as greater independence from Vodafone will help accelerate the platform's growth and attractiveness to both new customers and connectivity partners. Um, so that's what it said in the annual report. There was also something in the uh, the, the, the presentation that went along with it. Um, so uh, not very specific, as I say, probably, probably by design. Um, in terms of the the, the context for this, uh, Vodafone's been under pressure for a while, given that its share price is, 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 is lower than it would like. Um, there are new um, activist investors that took a stake. So there's a company called Sivian Capital that took a stake earlier in the year. Um, I don't think it's made any public announcements, but the, 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 the press reports are that it wants Vodafone to look uh, and be a bit more aggressive in what it does with its um, with its assets. So particularly looking at the, I think it's the Italian and, and Spanish units, uh, looking at merging those, um, also shaking up the, the, the board. Um, so Vodafone's under pressure from this, the, the low, the, the, the relatively low share price, these new investors. Um, the other thing to mention is that Etisalat took a stake just under 10% um, in Vodafone at the end of end of May. So th- there's there's quite a few changes going on within Vodafone, um, and I imagine that it's looking at this IoT unit as part of that, um, as part of helping to boost the share price, also helping to show these new investors that it is um, looking at options for these for these assets. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, its IoT business unit has has been one of the more um, successful um, IoT um, ventures. Yeah, yeah, both one of the more successful IoT ventures, and also one of the more successful parts of Vodafone. So, um, relatively unusually for an operator, it's often called out the results for its IoT division in its quarterly results, um, and that's really because they've been so strong. It's sort of had often 10% or plus 10% growth in revenue from IoT when other parts of the business were reporting much lower levels of growth. Yeah. Okay. And um, so in the article, we've listed three broad options for Vodafone, um, Vodafone IoT. So could you just outline what those options are and what the pros and cons are of each option? Sure. Now, the simplest thing it could be doing is just creating Vodafone IoT as a separate company that's still 100% owned by Vodafone. We've seen other operators do this in the past, um, various reasons why they want, might want to do it, just to give it a bit more operational independence, um, to give its own, own P&L, uh, a bit more autonomy, um, so it could go after acquisitions and, and, and so on. Um, we don't think this is really likely um, that, that this is what Vodafone's doing. Um, the benefits would seem to be minimal. Vodafone IoT has already had, already, already had, always had a, a fairly high degree of autonomy. Um, it, it's operated with quite a, a lot of independence. It's made a number of acquisitions. It's made what six decent size acquisitions. Um, so, 
it's already had that sort of operational independence. So it, it, it may be that this is what Vodafone's doing, but I think unlikely. Um, also, because as we said earlier, the, the context for this is in terms of the share price. Um, yes, it might help if it gives a bit more uh, spotlight on what it's doing in, in Vodafone IoT, but it's all it's already doing that. It's already done that. Um, there's there's no need to create a separate company to do that. Yeah. Um, Probably more likely is that it's going to create a separate company and then sell a stake in it. So that could be a minority stake in, in Vodafone IoT. That would be a right way of raising some money. Um, it would also in- increase the external visibility. Um, it could potentially help the valuation of a Vodafone group if investors start paying more attention to the overall IoT business and, and its potential. Um, it would also be a way of keeping Vodafone IoT as part of of um, a Vodafone, so to keep control of those assets, it would still be able to talk about the growth that it's getting in, in, in Vodafone IT. So that's the, the second option, selling a minority stake. Um, then the third op- option, a bit more radical, would be to sell a majority stake or, or possibly fully divest IoT. Um, now, in terms of the advantages of that, and it clearly is that there's the, 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 the revenue that it would get, the funding that it would get from that, um, it, it's hard to know exactly what the valuation would be of Vodafone IoT. In the article, we sort of speculated. We know the IoT division generated about 900 million euros of revenue last year. Um, if we look at the valuations of other similar sort of IoT uh, connectivity firms, there's been a number of, of, of uh, M&A activity. Uh, there's also, we've got Cool Wireless. Um, listed in the US, so we've got some some benchmarks. So if we so we take the the revenue at 900 million euros, um, if we assume that the EBITDA is about 33%, and that's in line um, with Vodafone uh, overall, it's also in line with what we've seen for other IoT connectivity businesses. Um, if you then assume a 14 times EBITDA multiple, again that's kind of in line with other transactions, then you're getting to a valuation that's over 4 billion euros. So it may be that that is such a that such a high number that that's just too attractive for for, for Vodafone to turn down. Um, obviously, the disadvantage is that Vodafone would lose um, this high growth part of its business. Um, potential uh, halo effect or knock-on effect, as we say, they've, they've been talking about the Vodafone IT and the success of it in their, their main investor presentations. Clearly, they wouldn't be able to do that if, if they sold it off. Mm. Um, it, I guess it's just, it, it, it's the balance really of, um, is the value, I mean, it's a very simple question, is the price that they can get from an external investor higher than they would be willing to pay for it themselves if, if it is the rational thing would be to sell? Yeah, yeah. And and also, um, you know, Vodafone IoT, um, we've seen that it has been an important differentiator um, for them, you know, as part of their broader enterprise business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they would lose that as well. Okay. Um, And if they were to sell a stake, um, who do you think would be the likely buyer? So it seems uh, the most likely option would be to, to, to private equity. We've seen a lot of private equity interest in in IoT in general, and again, we mentioned this in the article. Um, Wireless Logic uh, a few years ago was was sold um, for a good a good valuation. More recently, with JT, uh, so Jersey Telecom, the IoT division of Jersey Telecom was was sold off um, last last year, last summer, again for a, at least for a reported reasonable uh, amount of money, given the size of the business. Um, number of reasons why IoT. Could be attractive to the uh, to the private equity firms, so it's got a strong revenue growth potential. Um, it, it, it varies a bit, a bit, but we're sort of typically seeing maybe around ten percent annual uh, revenue growth 
possibly potential for, for slightly higher growth as well. There's also very good visibility of future revenue. So Vodafone IoT it has, what, over 150 million SIMs. Um, there's very little churn, very low churn in these IoT businesses. So there's very good visibility of future revenue, which um, private equity firms like. It, it, it's good for their for their business planning. It also helps them raise raise debt uh, against the, the, the acquisitions. Um, there's also potential for... Uh, uh, using um, Vodafone IoT as a base to bolt on other value-added services. Um, they could be developed or organically or through other acquisitions, so it could expand into other areas of the, of the value chain. So, yeah, private equity, I would have thought, is the by far, in a way, the most likely. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, we've, we've seen quite a bit of that. And I think, um, you know, prior to, to its listing, Core was, um, um, had, you know, private ec- benefited from private yeah. equity investment as well. Um, okay, good. And so, what do you see as the sort of the implications for the broader market if this goes ahead? So, I'm sure this is being watched very closely by all of the other operators that have a, a reasonably large IoT um, connectivity business. I mean, we said that before when Core Wireless first listed. We know that was very closely watched by all of the uh, all of the other operators. Um, Vodafone's IoT business is much, much bigger than Core's, more than sort of 10 times the number of connections. So I'm sure all of the other operators will be looking at this this very closely. If Vodafone is successful, um, um, we may see other operators uh, follow uh, follow suit and do something similar. Um, I guess the parallel to this is what um, telecoms operators uh, have been doing with their with their towers uh, business. Um, mm. Clearly, they've been able to get very high valuations for those for those assets. Um, and that's trickled down sort of all of the European major, all the major European operators have either done this or are looking to do this in a, a fairly short term. We, we could see the same sort of thing with the, these IoT business units. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, so I think um, we, we've had uh, the article which generated quite a lot of interest on um, Twitter and we've had a few questions come in through the Twitter feed. So um if, if we could just um, take a look at some of those. So uh, first up, I mean, somebody has asked, what if they don't sell but merge it 50-50 with another big player and create an IoT hyperscaler? Um, do you see that as, as something that could happen? Um, it could be part of the plan to merge. I, I think M&A activity is almost certainly part of the plan. Um I'm not sure about a 50/50 merger just because Vodafone is so much bigger than all of the all of the other operators. So Vodafone is I think it was what 165 million connections in its most recent uh, reporting. So other than the Chinese operators, all three Chinese operators um, have more than 100 million connections, quite a lot more in some cases, um, but I can't see them merging with the Chinese operator. A- outside of that, if you look at the other European operators, the sort of Oranges and Telefonicas, they're more in the sort of 20 million, maybe 30 million connections. So a lot smaller than, than, than Vodafone. So it, it's hard to see how it could be a 50-50 merger. Um, also, as we said before, a key key part of the key driver for this is to raise money for for, for Vodafone Group. Um, if it was some sort of 50-50 merger um, with no revenue raised for for Vodafone, that probably doesn't help them with their with their with their shareholders. No. Um, but but yeah, for sure, I think um, M&A activity is part of this, and as a, as a separate entity, it may be easier for it to then go and pursue other 
uh, M&A, um, M&A targets. I mean, we've seen that a bit with Core since it listed last, um, the end of last year, what sort of October last year. I think it's made a couple of, uh, a couple, it's done a couple of deals and it's got others in that it's looking at. So yeah. I think probably similar for Vodafone IoT. Yeah. Um, and then another question that came in, if they were to sell, what's stopping Vodafone Opcos of competing in the future with Vodafone IoT? Um, uh, and we've already seen, you know, some of that in the um, towers business. Yeah, so so I think the the point around towers business is is the um, the towers business is already leasing capacity to to competitors. Um, I think that's probably a bit different. So part of the rationale behind splitting off the towers business was to make better use of the assets, and and that uh, so better use of the assets meaning letting other telecoms operators use that uh, that tower space. That was part of the justification for the valuation of the, the towers business. Um, clearly, IoT is a very different different business. Um, in terms of the Vodafone Opcos competing in future with the Vodafone IoT business, I imagine there will be some sort of non-compete clause, at least for a few years, that would um, uh, stop the uh, Opcos from from selling or competing for IoT business, um, that everything would have to go through Vodafone IoT. Um, but the, I mean, there's also potential revenue for these Opcos through Vodafone IoT. Um, presumably, they would have some sort of a wholesale arrangement where Vodafone IoT is buying connectivity from the opcos uh, at a sort of wholesale arrangement. So there is some sort of benefit uh, for them uh, through those sales. Interesting, I guess, what happens at the end of the non-compete. How, how long does that non-compete last? Is it sort of two years or five years? I guess that's part of the, if a deal's done, that'll be part of the negotiation process. But but yeah, I think in the, in the short term, they'll be blocked from, from selling. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it is an interesting question, and we have seen this with not necessarily with Vodafone, but we've certainly heard of this with other operators where they have an IoT division and they also have a separate wholesale division. And sometimes you get uh, you, you you hear of competition between those two, uh, mm. with with one trying to undercut the other. Um, yes. So yeah, certainly yeah. A, an issue yeah. of concern. Yeah, there's often been some friction there yeah. between the two business units. Okay, and then uh, sort of last question here. Um, so we wrote a little bit in the article about the contribution margin because uh, of I Vodafone IoT because Vodafone published some some data on that uh, last year. Um, so the contribution margin is high, um, but would they pay or do they pay interconnection market rates to the Vodafone opcos? So if they leave the group, uh, if Vodafone IoT were to leave the group, will they have to pay for this? Yeah, so I mean, they will obviously be paying for connectivity revenue from uh, Vodafone. As I said before, I, I would assume that that's going to be on some sort of attractive wholesale rate. Um, and obviously, Vodafone as a group gets a uh, given its negotiating power, it can get access to very competitive pricing, um, obviously on its own network, but also through its partners and the other agreements that it's got. So I would imagine that the Vodafone IoT unit would continue to have access to that um, over the next few years. And then some sort of pricing mechanism agreed for that um, to make sure that Vodafone IoT continues to have access to, um, yeah, to competitive pricing. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Tom. Um, that concludes um, the, the the podcast. Um, in in terms of the uh, article, um, that's published um, on our website, uh, and all the uh, references and links will be um, uploaded with the pop podcast. Great. Thanks, Michelle. Um, and if you'd like to receive 
future episodes, please subscribe to the Analysis Mason podcast. Um, We also welcome any comments, feedback and reviews. Thank you for listening. Thank you.